And welcome back to Just Chat with Bree here at KYBN Radio 98.1 FM, your Bay Area Broadcasting Network, Mountain View, California. So today we are speaking with Dr. Deborah Tan. She was a delegate for the National Convention of the Democratic Party. We also have her here to speak with her, to speak with us in regards to her book. Her book is about dementia. Dr. Tan. Could you please tell me and Ron and the audience what process and what creativity inspired you to write this book? Oh, wow. Thanks for that question. When I was in the fourth grade, my mother and my grandmother took me to see my great-grandmother. And my great-grandmother was from Alabama. And, of course, she always greeted me with that come here, gal kind of thing, that whole southern endearment, if you will. And when I initially went to visit with my grandmother, I didn't get that kind of warm hospitality from her. In fact, you guys, she looked at me as though I was a perfect stranger. And my little heart was broken. And I did not understand any of what was going on. And I looked to my mother and I looked to my grandmother for explanation. Because again, my tiny little heart was broken. But they could not explain to me what was going on with my great grandmother. And I do believe as I speak to you today, that my grandmother had what we now believe to be Alzheimer's dementia. Back then they would say, oh, someone is just crazy or senile was a popular terminology. But again, I am convinced my great-grandmother had Alzheimer's dementia. And that is was is the basis for which I stand now because I didn't have answers back then, but I surely have them now and I want to share them with others. Wow. Wow, that's really deep. Very, very powerful. Would you mind explaining some of the trait of dementia? And then Rock has some questions that he's going to ask you. Absolutely, Sabrina. If you don't mind, may I operationally define dementia for you, please? Please. It's really important that our listening audience know that dementia is not a disease. It is not a disease. I have to reiterate that. Dementia is a medical term used to describe a set of symptoms that are caused by changes in the brain due to disease and or injury. So it's important that we start from that premise because everything else in terms of discussion is hinged on the fact that we must understand that, again, dementia are symptoms. So therefore, now we can talk about the different types of dementia, and those are what you most hear about often, Alzheimer's dementia, Lewy body dementia, frontal temporal dementia, vascular dementia, and Parkinson's dementia. Those are the top five. Now, I must preface this by saying there are hundreds of dementias, but those are the five top ones that we mostly hear people talk about in the community of which I work in this space of Alzheimer's and related dementias. Wow. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Rock, I'm going to let you go on from pickup. Okay, yeah. definitely. Now, Dr. Tan, I know you've mentioned that there are five main types, but now what are some of those triggers that, you know, folks who are caregivers or even folks who interact with the elderly should look for? Okay. All right. There's some, let's, let's say this, that there's some primary things that I'm going to suggest. Now, I say this all the time in my presentations. If you've seen one person with one of the dementias, you've seen one person with one of the dementias. I say that to say that people, the things I'm about to share with you, everyone doesn't have all of them. They may have some. They may have 
two or three, but these are the primary things that I would encourage one to look for. Hallucinations, problems with communication, mood changes for sure, sleep disturbances, disorientation, forgetfulness, concentration, judgment, impairment, planning, and definitely confusion. I want to just park right there with that confusion. Let's say with your mom or your dad, they've been going to the same store for 30 years. 30 years, all of a sudden, they go to that same store and they can't find their way home. They are confused. That is a tall tale sign right there. Wow, that's wow. kind of scary because I have some of those symptoms. <laughs> so that's well, real scary. Well, well okay. Now, Dr. Now, Tan, are, are there any treatments available? Well, yes. But may I address what Sabrina just said? I think that's sure, sure. important. Go right ahead. Go right ahead. Because someone else is thinking the same things. Well, gosh, Dr. Tan, I do those things right now. But it, on each one of those, if you find, for instance, if you can figure out how to get back home, you're good to go. When you can retract those keys, you're good to go. If you forgot at that moment and then it comes back to you 20 minutes later, you're good to go. If, you're, if you didn't sleep well a night or two, that's cool. But these things are persistent, and they, it's a difference in personality. When you start with the mood changes and those swings and those hallucinations, I mean, it's a game changer. So, yes, we do as we age. Certain things, that we're not as sharp as we used to be. We may have to do a couple of more post-it notes or things like that. But it's when you cannot recall information at all, there lies the problem. Wow. Wow. I'm sure the listeners are listening to this very carefully because a lot of those symptoms, as you get a little bit older, you start noticing. And just like when you said the forgetfulness and stuff, I sometimes I can be in the middle of doing something and be like, what was I doing? And it, it seems like it takes me forever to remember. And I've, I can't tell you how many times I've walked to the kitchen and have no idea why I'm in there and then walked back and remembered and then walked back. And before you go too much further, can you give us contact information for you and information about your book so that oh, um, we get that part out and the listeners can get that? Okay, I'm on a couple of different platforms. You can always find me on Facebook. But definitely like, show me some love on Facebook. My business reminiscent is there as well as I am as my personal profile. I podcast weekly on this very subject of dementia, and you can find me there every Wednesday. I'm at 11.30 Eastern Standard Time, and that's Deborah on Dementia. Uh, com. That's my podcast. And I have a library there of 15, 20-minute segments on all types of things. My latest show was about sex and dementia. And I got, it got a lot of hits, you guys. And I guess you could probably very well wonder why so. But I'm nevertheless, gonna go look. Pod- <laughs> 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 And then, of course, you can always go to my website, www.debraondementia, one word, dot com. Definitely would like for you to go there because there you can find out all about the things that I'm doing. You can invite me in to do presentations with Zoom meetings, or you can purchase my book right there on my website as well. And of course, I'm on LinkedIn. So Facebook, oh, I tweet. I love being on Twitter. So that's um, at Deborah on Dementia. If, you, if you're a person that enjoys Twitter, you can find me there as well. So I like to be somewhat active with different platforms for sure. Well, well, Dr. Dr. Tan, Tan, I mean, we've talked a little bit about your book, but what is the name of your book? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> it is called The Race of Dementia. And I use the word race and duality in that. In the book, you'll see it means two different things. 
and I think the book would be very enjoyable. It's almost like a beginner's guide, if you will, although it's almost 200 pages, but it gives you an opportunity to uh, for consensus building. It's personal interviews in there where I've personally interviewed many people and given some takeaways. I have chapters on what to do with someone with dementia, and they're, they're trying to drive the car, have a segment or a chapter on how to, how to address adult children when plague with one of the dementias. And so I think the book is really good. I'm not saying it just because I wrote it, but I, I wrote it from a very keen perspective. And I think that the takeaway would be wonderful if people actually read the book, particularly black and brown people, because believe it or not, you guys, Alzheimer's and related dementias, particularly Alzheimer's, is afflicting Hispanic and Latinos at alarming rates. And I thought that it it was important that I at least get that in. But I want to say, all in all, Alzheimer's and related dementias are colorblind, but it is affecting black and brown people just a little bit more. And there are things that we can do about that. I don't think we have time to discuss it today, but um, there are things that we can do to put up a, a barrier, if you will, for maybe not having one of the dementias. Am I making guarantees? Certainly not, but there are things that we can be doing to possibly eradicate and certainly minimize having one of the dementia. Dr. Chan, we are going to have to take a break. Would you come back for one more segment with us, please? Oh, I would love to. Thank you. Yes, I'll stand by. And we'll be right back. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Just Chat with Bree. How are you today? Today we have a special guest with us talking about a special topic. And we'd like to welcome Dr. Tan to KYBN Radio here at 98.1 FM, your Bay Area Broadcasting Network in Mountain View, California. Rock is here with us also today. Dr. Tan has a very important topic that she has written a book about. And we are going to talk to her, pick her brain, and find out all about dementia. Good morning. Hello. How are you? I'm well. How are morning, you? Good morning, Dr. Tan. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. I really feel honored, really. Thank you. Oh, but well, we are honored to have you. Thank you for blessing us. Yes, indeed. So let's just jump thank right you. in. Now, now, Dr. Ted, before we get into your book, let's talk about um, the Democratic National Convention and your role there. Can you expound a little bit about that for us? Oh, absolutely. That was a marvelous opportunity. It started off actually on my bucket list several years ago, and I had always said that I wanted to be a delegate for the National Convention. Convention. So this year, 2020, of course, unbeknownst to myself, did I ever think COVID would rage upon our shores as, as though it did, I set out to become a delegate nevertheless. And I competed. You have to compete for the spot. And I won. I, it was a really great competition. It was strong and quite rigorous. And I came out on top, and I ended up being a delegate for the state of Georgia. And as you guys already know, we weren't able to go to Milwaukee because of COVID. And so we had to do, do everything virtually in terms of the entire four-day convention. But I'm pleased to say we represented across the nation, California included, we represented quite well. And I'm happy 
with the slate of officers that we came up with and our platform for the Democratic National Party. Yes, it was a great experience, something unforgettable. Of course, if had I gone to Milwaukee and we all, all 4,000 of us had converged on Milwaukee, it would have been far more exciting and exhilarating, I'm sure. But we had to play it safe. And I think and I love the idea that in the with the party, to this day, even as I speak, we are playing it safe because COVID is no joke. Wow. So now, is that something that you always wanted to do? Um, And when you say compete, um, could you explain a little bit of that? Yeah, yeah, because many people are, they want to go because only four to four, approximately about 4,000 of us get to go across the nation. And so based on, of course, your electoral college, that's how it's determined how many from your state get to go. So this is a, this is a coveted opportunity. So many people were com- competing. So I competed in my congressional district in Georgia, which I'm in congressional district one, and I had to compete against probably about 100 to 200 people, other people who wanted to go as well. And we only had, in my congressional district, there were only five spots. So it was a tight race. And so I had to do, I had to conduct a speech and I had to be very convincing because I even then typically you would do it in person. You would compete in person. You you would watch and see everybody. They go on stage and they explain why they need to be the delegate and go to the convention. Well, this time, you guys, I had to do it virtually. And I have to admit, I'm not the most user-friendly when it comes to technology. But I was able to pull it off, and I came in first place in my congressional district. Oh, congratulations. That's awesome. That is super yeah. awesome. Um, before we switch into our other um, topic, could you kind of explain some of the duties you do as a delegate when you when you have that type of position. Okay. Of course, there are different platforms. There's military platform. Well, I should say veterans. That's a better way to put it. There's LGBTQ community platform. We have all sorts of platforms of which de- delegates are assigned to, if you will. And our responsibility was primarily to come up with a, for the bylaws for the party, come up with a plan for the next four years, how to plan, implement, and execute what is best for the different types types of committees for the national party. And that's primarily your, our responsibility. We had to, to huddle up in our group, and then we had to come up with, a, again, the for the bylaws, for our, our agenda for the next four years, where do we want to take the party? How are we going to get there? And what is it going to take to get there? And so it was kind of neat to be able to pull all that together and then come up with a huge platform of all the subcommittee platforms in terms of where the party wants to go over the next four years. Pretty awesome. That's very interesting. Yeah, wow. it was. It Thank was you fun. For sharing all that with us. That's that's very yeah. interesting knowledge. Thank you. You're welcome, Rock. Yeah, that's that's great. And and it just shows that our democratic system with the three party system is still working, although we're having a lot of we're taking a lot of hit basically currently. But uh, now, by doing it virtually, and I know Dr. Tane said you weren't very astute uh, with it. However, what would you glean from that in terms of meeting the different delegates from the different parts of the country? How, how was that interaction? You know what? It was so very well organized. I could not believe it. Perez, who's over the National Democratic Party, as you already know, I mean, that team, 
I could not believe the mechanics behind how that rolled out. It was fantastic. We received all of our credentials. We received everything in advance. We had a full-fledged day every day from starting at 9 o'clock in the morning all the way to 8 o'clock at night because the convention on the East Coast began at 9 o'clock p.m. I think it was 9 to 11. So they made sure we were done with all of our work. But we had nonstop activities. You got to meet everybody from across the nation. We had all kind of parties virtually. And it was so cool because you got to check in other than when you weren't doing your assigned work. You got to have fun virtually with all these different parties because, you know, the Democrats, they, they do have a reputation for loving to party. So we had that opportunity still, but it was just done virtually. So we had fun with it. We broke out into our states. I got to hear from people that, you know, normally I probably wouldn't hear from, like Jamie Harrison over there in South Carolina, Nancy Pelosi. Just the list was endless in terms of who came directly, who was right on my screen talking to me and talking to us. It was actually phenomenal to be to to have been virtually conducted, I should say. They did an outstanding job. Outstanding. Excellent. That is excellent. Really, very much so. Very much so. Um, I'm going to go and let Rocco um, take the floor. I'm glad you did because we're going to have to head into a break. So, okay. listeners, hold your horses. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. And welcome back to our final segment of Just Chat with Bree here at KYBN Radio 98.1 FM, your Bay Area Broadcasting Network in Mountain View, California. So Rock and I, we have company today, Dr. Deborah Tan. She has an awesome, awesome book out on dementia. And the name of that book again, please. My pleasure. It is entitled The Race of Dementia. We have a very, very interesting topic today with the dementia. And Dr. Tan has been very gracious enough to give us some explanations into the different types of dementia. Rock? Thank you, Bree. Dr. Tan, would, would you say that dementia and CTE, uh, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, are related or are they just two separate types of symptoms that people have? Well, that's a little bit out of my leap, but I want to tell you this. I know a little bit about the latter. That would constitute as a brain injury. And if there's a brain injury, it can also bring on dementia symptoms. I think that answers your question, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah, yeah. Because I, I know that many athletes, particularly football yes. players, yes. suffer from it, and many of them aren't found to have it until they're dead and they have the brain scans. But some of their actions prior to demise would be similar to some of the actions of someone who suffers from one of the dementias. And I was just trying to see if there's a correlation. Absolutely, there is. Mm -hmm. There is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Now, I know with dementia, you can typically find it and see when people are displaying some of the actions, the hallucinations, the confusion. Now, in terms of the cure, that can be hopefully found out prior to someone's death, right? Or am I way off base there? There is no cure. Okay. There is no cure. As I speak to you right now, there is no, no cure. And so that is why I encourage individuals to be a part of clinical trials. And I believe, this is just my humble opinion, that a cure is going to be found through one of the clinical trials. 
I don't know which one. I don't know which year. I don't know when that's going to occur. But I, I'm confident, I do believe it's going to be through a clinical trial, which is why I encourage people to participate in clinical trials because then they are able to, the researchers, the scientists, the neurologists, the healthcare workers, all the people that are in the trenches, they can help get down to the bottom line when people participate in trials so they can figure out what works for whom. So I encourage clinical trials. I really do. Okay. When, uh, when you say clinical trials, how would one find a clinical oh. trial? Uh, oh, Rock, I have a great chapter in my book on that subject matter in particular. So I'm not going to tell you guys that's going to be a teaser. But Ooh, oh, that's you a great marketing <laughs> employee, Dr. Tan. He <laughs> <laughs> gave you the phone number of whom to contact for clinical trials in your own state. Okay. How about awesome. that? I like that. That's yeah, I like that. That's wonderful. Yeah. That's, that's very good. That's very smart. See, that's why you're a doctor. Okay. All no, right. wait. I, I, I want to qualify it. I Let me please let me qualify that. I am a doctorate, yes, but it's in education. I come out of higher ed, and so my doctorate is in education. I'm not an MD. I should be wearing that T-shirt that says, I'm not that kind of doctor, but yes. <laughs> I'd like to think that I've been studying this and researching this for five years now, and I'm committed to brain health as an advocate at the local, state, and national level here in the state of Georgia. So I'm committed, and I'm excited about what's going on in terms of the research. Is there a way I can share just a couple of things with you quickly about how to kind of save, if you will, um, perhaps one of the dementias, some things that we can be doing? Sure. Go right ahead. Please do. Please do. Okay, we should be exercising regularly. We should absolutely be taking our meds. If you have hypertension or diabetes, whatever medications you should be taking them on a regular basis and also checking in with your doctor, we are encouraging individuals to watch their diet. They suggest, the community suggests Mediterranean diet, but I'll be very candid. I looked at that and I don't think that I can do it, but what I have done is modified my diet. Reduce stress in your life. Reduce stress in your life. That is critical. Also make sure that you have social interaction and definitely, definitely get your sleep. You ask, I want to share with you why your sleep is so very important. If you haven't already con- aren't convinced that your rest is very important to you, we are finding out that this is important. Some amyloid gets filtered out during your sleep. While you're asleep, your brain is actually cleansing itself. Your sleep is very important. Untreated sleep can lead possibly maybe to sleep apnea, which definitely doesn't help with one of the dementias. So if you've been diagnosed with sleep apnea, you definitely want to use your machine because it's important. So we are finding that sleep is quintessential to pushing off one of the dementias for sure, as well as all the other things I just enumerated. Wow. Okay, but now, Dr. Tan, in terms of the sleep, is there a goal of the number of hours or just as your body tells you? Or how, how would you explain that part? Well, the researchers are specifically saying seven to eight hours a night. Okay. I'm in trouble. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> if I sleep four hours, I'm, I'm getting a full night's rest. Sabrina. And you said something a little bit earlier in this interview, you saying about the forgetfulness. That could be a factor, Sabrina. It's not has nothing to do with dementia. It could be primarily because you're not getting enough rest. You're not sleeping well, and you're not getting the necessary and demand of oxygen to that powerful brain of yours. And it has nothing wow. to do with dementia. We need our wow. rest, you guys. That's important. You must get your sleep. You've got to. 
every time oh. you 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 know you just got to get your rest. I wish. Okay, well, naps wish. count. Yeah. Naps count because I'll get a nap every now and then. Well, Rock, I just gave you the data, Dell. So you can't <laughs> <get> really <laughs> well, you know, Dr. Jane, you know, I'm, I'm just one of those hard-headed ex-football players, so we know we okay. it kind of takes us a little bit to get it. Well, I six other six other viable ways though. So. Out of those six, seven ways, just be strong and, and, and balanced and all of them if you can. Wow. Thank you. Will do. Wow. wow. That, that's impactful, Dr. Ted. That's very impactful simply because the optics on not necessarily dementia but Alzheimer's because folks will say when people start showing some of these triggers or some of the, not triggers, but I mean, just the, they show some of the different types, people are quick to say, oh, they have Alzheimer's. Oh, they're, mm-hmm. you know. And you're putting it all in one soup can in which there's so many different compartments, and we need to really find out and educate ourselves on the different types so that we can see them and address them. And I thank you, man, for opening up my eyes. And that's why I said, you know, that's why you're the doc, because even though it's not medical, but the educational, this education has been very, yes, yes, Yes. very Very important and very necessary. Yes. We know that education is power. And maybe, Rock, it's because 60 to 80% of people with a diagnosis is typically Alzheimer's. And that's probably why you hear the word Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's so much because 60 to 80% are diagnosed with Alzheimer's. But we cannot leave out the rest because with FTD, those symptoms are, are quite different from those of Alzheimer's, as well as Lewy body dementia. The symptoms are different, some the same, but a lot of differences. So it's real important, like like you said, we do not lump them all together because they should not be. And if you do that, you won't be able to correctly identify what you're looking at and, and better yet, how to treat it, right? Wow. That's correct. That's correct. Dr. Tan, or Dr. Deborah Tan, let's make sure we get that in there. <laughs> I greatly, greatly appreciate um, you taking the time to come and and talk to us about this problem that's such a serious problem with so many people in the world today and to give us a little insight on just, you know, some of the very basics. I encourage encourage the listeners to go get your book, find out the addresses, (laughs) and, and read your book and contact you as well. So as we close, our show. I would like for you to give your information one more time, but I'm going to tell the listeners that we will see them in the morning. Rock, we're going to go in and let uh, Dr. Tan close out. No problem. Okay. Take it away, Dr. Okay. Tan. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I want to thank both of you guys. You have been tremendous hosts, and I so appreciate you. And also, I wanted to tell the listening audience, you can find me at Deborah on Dementia. Uh, and of course, that is um, Twitter. I'm on Facebook, Reminiscent. Reminiscent is my business. The title of the book is The Race of Dementia. And you can certainly check out my podcast at DeborahOnDementia.com. Would love to have you visit and certainly reach out to me any way that you can. Thank you for having me, you guys. And thank you for coming. Thank you. And welcome back to Just Chat with Bree here at KYBN Radio 98.1 FM, your Bay Area Broadcasting Network here in Mountain View, California. So we are here today with Dr. Deborah Tan, and we are discussing dementia. One word, a scary word, if 
you can remember it. That's what they say. We'd like to ask Dr. Tan a few questions, and she's going to elaborate on the answers for us. Dr. Tan, I greatly appreciate the fact that you're taking the time to explain, um, you know, completely in your answers and, and in relation to this topic. Rock has a few questions he's going to ask, and I just wanted to say thank you again for taking this time, for being with us. Thank you, Dr. Tan. And again, here's another question. Now, how do the treatments of dementia compare with those of schizophrenia, if they do it at all? I don't think there's a comparison whatsoever. Um, I, those are two distinct categories in terms of how one is cared for, the different types of medication that is given for, for that particular area, schizophrenia versus one of the dementias. They are two different, totally different diseases, totally different. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you. Now, how yeah. would caregivers try to emphasize more with their loved one who are suffering from the different types of dementia? Oh, wow. Thanks for bringing up caregivers, particularly because their job is colossal, is often misunderstood and taken for granted, and their responsibility is paramount. Caregivers Honestly speaking, according to facts and figures with the Alzheimer's Association, when it comes to caregivers, caregivers provide an estimated 18.6 billion hours of care that is valued at over $244 billion. That is wow. staggering. So that of a caregiver, the responsibility of a caregiver is very significant in a family and should be treated with utter respect and concern and wherewithal. But the fact of the matter, it doesn't quite happen that way. Often caregivers feel like they're on an island by themselves. So I suggest to caregivers, there are things out there that can possibly work for you. There are definitely support groups in your community that you can partake, and they are highly encouraged. But with the Alzheimer's Association, there's a 1-800 line where you can call and actually speak with someone 24 hours a day, seven days a week, by which they will give you advice, concern, or they will just let you cry or laugh or whatever you need. So that's available 24-7. Even on holidays, you can call the Alzheimer's line just to chat about not necessarily Alzheimer's, but one of the other dementias as well. I have, I'm licensed in the United States to conduct what is called a virtual dementia tour. And what that is, it's a simulation of what it's like, that what it's like, and again, simulation, close to it as possible, of what it's like to have dementia. And I think if you have that offered in your community, a simulation, if you're a caregiver, it gives you greater insight of what your loved one may be experiencing. So I would encourage um, if anyone that's out there listening, if they really kind of want to get a handle of what their loved one may be going through, is to seek out in your community and determine if there's a simulation of the virtual dementia tour. And it's interesting that you brought up caregivers. May I May I? follow on with another point that I really would like to make about caregivers that I think is oh, relevant. Oh, Yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> no, please no. do. Okay. <laughs> okay, wonderful. A question was asked amongst caregivers, and the question was asked, when you think about dementia, and I thought about it when Sabrina came back on, she said that dementia, it's a scary word. And so they asked the caregivers to give one word, only one word, 
of how they feel about dementia. All the words that were given were words such as fearful, afraid, um, angry, sad, disgruntled, um, stressed, over, they feel overpowered, lonesomeness, overwhelmed, helpless, afraid, uncertain of the future, confused, frustrated, undervalued. These are just some, they can't escape. These are just some of the words that they use, caregivers now use wow. when they were expressing themselves. And that's powerful, you guys, very powerful. Yeah. I'm, I well, said I scary in the beginning. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, I could add another one. Unappreciated. Yeah, undervalued for sure. Oh yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, my yeah. uncle went to the store. My aunt had gone to the store. She drove the truck. He drove the car. She came out of the store and called the police because her um, vehicle was missing. She called her husband, and he said, it's not missing, it's parked in front. He had forgotten which vehicle he had taken and taken the other vehicle home, and that's how we knew something was going on. Wow. It's those things that, that is so spot on in terms of what you recognize. And you know it's not the norm. That's how you know. That is not how you can recognize, because you know your loved one. And you know, oh, that's not what uncle would typically do, or that's not what aunt so-and-so would typically do, or mom or dad. And sometimes we park it in denial as well. So I say to those who are listening, pay attention to those subtle things. And you make the first couple of times, the first couple of months, maybe even the first year, you might blow it off. But when it becomes redundant, it's time to take a visit to the doctor. You have a lot of family members that are in denial, or they don't cope with it very well. And so what do you say to them? What do you say to them? Because um, as my uncle is going through that, my aunt is having a very difficult time because he has always done all the bills. He has always done all of the house things. And all he knows is a bill is due. And my cousin goes with him as he walks because they took his keys from him. And he'll walk, but he cannot remember how to get home. And it, it's causing them to get very scared because, you know, there's so many silver alerts now. Uh, he yes. knows there's a bill due, and he goes to go pay that bill, but he cannot remember how to get home. Right, right. It is time to seek out medical attention for sure. It is time to have a checkup, no doubt about it. It's time to determine what is going on and get down to the bottom of this. And when, you, when your loved one goes to the doctor, there's a battery of tests, psychological tests as well, to determine what is going on because clearly it's something. What that is, I cannot say, but I know enough about dementia to say it's time for a doctor's visit. Yes, he has been diagnosed with dementia, and it's just that they're not coping well. Yeah. Oh, he's got a diagnosis. They're not handling things very well. You have to seek out, okay, pardon me, I would then encourage seeking out individuals in the space, in that community, because they are very helpful one to another. So I would certainly think about support group in my community, because there is help and help is available, and I know it's plentiful where you guys are. Awesome. Awesome. Go ahead um, and finish up with your last question. Dr. Tan, would you be receptive to giving a presentation to any one of our listeners who may want to get more information and have it presented to a broader group? Oh, absolutely. At this particular time, I'm doing Zoom, Zoom presentations because of COVID and 
in just mere distance and so on and so forth. But yes, absolutely. May I give you my phone number for that? Absolutely. 229-415-3333. Thank you so much, Dr. Tan, for giving that information. And I'm sure some of our listeners would take full advantage of that. But just in case someone missed it or they were driving and couldn't find the pen, can you give that number one more time? Yes, absolutely. I think what I'm going to do, I think it probably it would behoove me better. I would be better served if I gave my email address. That's May right. I give you that? Sure. Dr. Okay. Dr. Period. D e b r a. Period. Tan. T a n n at gmail.com. So it's awesome. actually Dr. Deborah Tan at gmail.com. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I'm sure our listeners wow. appreciate that. We've got to take a break. So would you please come back for our final segment? Yes. Thank you. And listeners, we'll be right back. 